So I'd like to thank our supporters and sponsors of this festival, um, Arts Council England. We're very grateful for their ongoing support. And this event this morning is curated by Literature Across Frontiers with support from Arts Council of Wales, Basque Institute, and the Savinian Ministry of Culture. So the way it's going to work is that I'm going to very briefly uh, tell you a little bit about literature across frontiers, and then I'm going to hand over to our three poets who um, have very carefully um, planned this event for you, and they will therefore take it from there. So Literature Across Frontiers is just a fabulous organisation, and in fact, they are this year celebrating 20 years of making literature travel, which is absolutely uh, just exactly what it should be doing all the time. And it was founded by Alexandra Buchler, who sadly couldn't be with us today, but has, um, behind the scenes, been working with the poets to curate this event um, for you. Um, and Alexandra Buchler was actually a huge inspiration for me uh, when I was growing the kind of international programme of this festival. Um, and you, you really should check out their projects and activities on the website, um, including a, a recent project is Writing the Climate, the Climate of Writing, a Quebec Wales project. So just even the title of that gives you a sense of what this um, organisation does and the imagination uh, with which uh, it does it. So it really is a great pleasure uh, to welcome our three poets to the stage. Thank you. Um, good afternoon. Thank you for having us here. Uh, I am Greg Mews. Um, I'm a Welsh poet. Um, and I'm just going to go right in and start with a, with a reading um, of a poem called Stereonto with Teg. Um, it is the, yeah, it's from uh, my second book, Merchelin, which means uh, Woman of the Lake. And in uh, Wales, we have, um, you know, very rich folklore, but there's this one motif in particular that um, I was drawn to, and a lot of this book um, sort of explores in different ways, this motif of the woman of the lake. Um, lots of lakes in Wales have, have a woman, <laughs> or, um, and uh, the, the story usually goes, the woman lives in the lake, she's probably a fairy, a shepherd or a farmer or some, you know, agriculturally kind of adjacent position, um, is wandering around the lake, falls in love with the woman of the lake, is allowed to take her from the lake, marry her, um, on the condition that uh, he doesn't strike her three times. Um, and of course, inevitably, um, the, the woman is struck three times and has to return to the lake. And there's different versions of this, different um, you know, embellishments, but that kind of central structure um, you will find, yeah, in lots of lakes around Wales. Um, and so this poem is a retelling of, of that story. Striantal with Teg. A carabore pandanwid merch or thin, rather awir with the Darnion glitzwaith clishog. 
y lliain a'r cotwm a'r glan plu'r gweinydd yn fantell i'w dal, wrth i'r llyn ei ffoeri allan. Y glaw yn bwythau pigog, yn rhesi a rhesi o nodwyddan cwiltio'r awyr, yn pwyso'r defnydd a thynnu'r cwbl yn gweithi tyn. A dyna hi, yn glais rhwng y glan a'r drain. Yn dyner, dyner mae'n ei dal, yn ei dwyn i'w hendre, ac mae hithau a'i thraed yn oeth ar lechu'r gegin, sy'n oer fel ceri llyn. Dawo hyd iddi un noson yn dawnsion y glaw, cangau'r berllan yn curo'r hyddym a'i gwallt yn blyb, ei llais yn nibain fel petai gwynt bolch yr oedd rwys yn codi drwy hysgyfaint, ei llygad anghau a'r nos i gyd yn gwneud pethau'r hyfaedd efo hi. Ar gwerthag yn y beidyn nibain hefyd neu'n canu, a'r cŵn yn ei cytia yn cnewian ac fe wyddai ei fod ef bryd hynny wedi dod a rhywbeth diarth iawn i'w wely. Yn y ffair, mae'r maman dal babanod yn dynach at ei mynwysau, pa mae hi'n cerdded heibio. Yn rhoi ceiniogau hyar ni bwysom hocedu'r plant, yn pwytho paderau goleri eu cyrsa, yn dwrdio eu gwir am brynu eu bara cras a'u menyn, nwythan eu oglyfyr melyn hallt a'u gwysa a dyna'r ergyd gyntaf. Rhyhawdd yw peintio'r croen yn lliwia nas dychmygau y gallai croen i wisgo. Ar ail, ddaeth wedi'r plentyn cyntaf, a hitha wedi peidio dawnsio ers peth amser i chlunian rhy sorth rhy drwsgol drwm a di symud, a phan afeilodd o ynddi ei fysedd ar bont i hysgwydd o dan ei sgert ac ar ei stumog ac yn ei gwallt ac ar ei bron, ei bron, y fron, y stumog, y gwallt, y coesa, ei goesa, hi o dan ei bwysa, hi yn rhywle, yn boddi, y peth diarth yn ei gwely. Can gymeriad oedd y trydydd fel pob tro, taro'n glitach na'r bwriad, ei gwaed yn cronin boll ar lychu'r gegin, ac felly, Aeth yn ôl, a thynnu'r dŵr amdani, gwneud amdo o awyr lwyd a diflannu. So the poem in English um, was translated by Alaw Thomas. Um, thank, you, thank you to her for her wonderful translation. And it goes like this. Fairy stories. Ian. And on the morning they pulled her from the lake, the clouds were a bruised patchwork above and below. The linen, cotton and thistle-down traced her body as the lake refused to take her. The rain in sharp stitches seeming the dappled blue, quilting the sky, weighing the fabric, gathering everything in tight folds. And there she lay, an imprint on the cotton and the thorns. Softly, she is gathered into him. He takes her in his arms and keeps walking until her bare feet touch the slate of his kitchen floor, cold blue like lake stones. One night he will find her, dancing in the rain, the orchard's low branches beating a rhythm, her hair wet, her voice a low howl, as though the winds of Bulcheroyrvros rise through her lungs, eyes closed, the expanse of night playing uncanny tricks with her, the cows in the shed howling or singing, and the dogs in their cages whimpering. And he will know that he has welcomed something very strange into his bed. 
die. At the fair, mothers hold their babies closer to their chests when she walks by. They weigh their children's pockets with iron coins, stitch prayers into collars, scold their husbands for buying her bread and butter as they lick the yellow salt from their lips, their heads hang low. The first strike, how easy it was to paint her skin, a shade so unthinkable. The second, that came after the first child, long after she had stopped dancing, her heavy, cumbersome thighs slowed to a stop, and when he grabbed her, his fingers on the ridge of her shoulder, underneath her skirt and on her stomach and in her hair and on her chest, her chest, the chest, the stomach, the hair, the legs, his legs, her, underneath his weight, her, somewhere, drowning, the strange foreign thing in her bed. The third was a mistake, as it was every time, hitting harder than he meant to, her blood pooling on the slate. And so she returned, gathered the water around her, made a shroud of the grey sky, and disappeared. Chlor. Um, good afternoon and thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you for the festival and for Alex as well for inviting us. And thank you to Anthony and Nancy for having us um, at their lovely house. Um, I'm Beatrice and I come from the Basque Country, which is in the north of Spain. Um, however, I left the Basque Country 16 years ago. I'm now 32, so that makes half my life abroad. Um, I've lived in 10 different countries, speaking many languages, but I kind of always wanted to keep um, that link with my roots and with an intimacy um, that Basque language kind of allows me. It is also like a po political or poetical responsibility to keep speaking um, Basque, even if far away. And um, my father is also a poet, but he doesn't speak any Basque. So at least um, that's hidden from him. Um, uh, he cannot judge. Um, I would like to start um, with kind of a game. It's a poem that I wrote in different languages. Um, so depending on the languages you speak, you'll get a 10% of the poem, or it's a very, very short one. But it's just like kind of like a sound game. And then I'll move into the Basque one. Ending. Vagando por tus calles, acu mendegar su aramo, cercando gli espazi vuoti, ya tuche te rid. Sur espanyak dastatsen, kanla ni de yendin. And yet, I can't find the world. And now this second poem, which um, I wrote under, uh, well, in London, um, under COVID, um, I presented to a competition that was uh, organized by um, Spread the Word Poetry in England uh, with the help of uh, the European Union as well as the Arts Council. And it was kind of like... Um, 
an ode to the languages spoken in England, um, a part of English. So it was called Speaking England in Different Languages um, because it's, it's a beautiful um, place where hundreds, if not thousands, of languages are spoken. Um, so every poet could present a poem in a different language and then the translation into English. Um, it got shortlisted and hope you like it. Lau hilabete daramatzat, amarekin izketan. Amar kada oso bat, berari deitu gabe pasandoren. Lau hilabete daramatzat, bakarrik ibiltzen. Txikitzen den irionetan. Jaio ez naizen lekuetan, aurkitzen dut. Nire burua. Balkoiko bankuaren egurra. Kirrinka egiten du. Nire gurasoen kulunka ulkia. Bezala. Biek euri asko edan dute. Londresen eta irunian. Euria. Euria egin behar duen bedgoitzean egiten du euri. Goiz batzuetan, nire gorputzak, nire amak txikian intzenean dukan usaina dauka. Egun horietan, ez dutu txagartzen. Goiz batzuetan, nire gorputzak, tinderren ezagututako mailtalearen las usaina dauka. Egun horietan, bainua hartu, Eta frasal berb zera beltzen ditut. Nire poesiak kantauriko itxasanen gazitasuna dauka. Nire garrasiak mediterraneoaren olatuek atzerriko aitzen aurka. Talka egitean egiten duten soinua dira. Nire mezuak tamesiaren sakontasunaren usain abjektua daramate lerro artean. I've been four months talking to my mum every night after a whole decade without calling her. She corrects me words tinged with other worlds. I've been four months walking alone in this city that slowly shrinks. I find myself where I was never born. The creaking of the wooden balcony bench resembles that of my parents' rocking chair. Both have drunk so much rain. In Pamplona and in London, it always rains when it has to rain. The sky and the crackling wood understand each other better than the people they rock. There are mornings that my body smells, like my mother did when I was little. Those days, I don't shower and I write poems. There are mornings that my body smells to the English lover I met on Tinder. Those days, I shower with lash and I use frazzle verbs. My poetry has the saltiness of the Cantabric Sea 
My screams sound like the Mediterranean waves against foreign shores, and my emails have the abject scent of the depths of these thamuses. Thank you. Escarri Casco. Hello, I'm Lydia Dimkovska. I'm from Macedonia. I'm living in Slovenia, actually, for almost 20 years. And before Slovenia, I used to live in Romania. So you can imagine that I always learn new languages <laughs> that people usually don't, don't know and don't learn. Uh, I write only in Macedonian. Uh, this was also a kind of decision, uh, also an inner decision, but also a political decision because uh, Macedonian language is spoken only by two million people and I consider that we writers and poets, if we don't write in this language, who will write in this language, you know? So I moved to Slovenia, which is also a small country, only two million people, and uh, in a way, uh, Yes, I'm a, a poet and a writer in translation all the time. Uh, today I'm going to read from my book, uh, What Is It Like?, that appeared uh, some months ago in uh, UK, uh, and I'm very grateful, uh, especially to England's uh, Council, uh, Arts Council England, for supporting it. Uh, translated by my translators, uh, Ljubica Arsovska, Patricia Marsh, who is li lives in uh, Canterbury, uh, and some poems are translated also by Peggy Reed. Uh, this is actually uh, my fourth uh, book uh, in uh, English, uh, but uh, the previous ones appeared only in the United States. I write also novels, so one of my novels, A Spare Life, uh, was uh, published in the, in the States. And this book is actually a selection of my last uh, two poetry books in Macedonian. Uh, so now I'm, I'm going to read one book, uh, one poem in Macedonian and uh, the translation in English. Kuferi. Vokovčežato podkrevetot na majkami, što go donela od selov grad. So godini čmaja čini v oblik na ribi. Sekoja posebno zavitkana vo novinska hartija, svadben podarok, obštestven suvenir. Im izbledeja žabrite, im posive moreto. Koga go otvorifme kovčežeto, sebeja veke izpoizele među sebe. Vo kuferčeto podkrevetot na vujkomi, što go odkopčuva postopati na den. Site vojni beja vremenski izmešani, vo beleškite od predavanjata po istorija. Nadve beja svitkani, vo dve koloni jureja od rovovite, kon ona što podocna stana država, političko kuferčena zaboravot. Vo kuferot, pod krevetot vo studentskijot dom, ja čuvav mašinata za pišuvanje ljubinka, a nanea, mojte sostanarki mongolki, gi čukaa na kirilica svojte ljubovni pisma, što pred da gi pratat preko tri morinja, gi čuvaa devet noći vo vodka, vo šišinjata so ovči crevca, pa počnite vrvki so tatkovinata. Kuferite vo Auschwitz, 
so staklo odvojeni od dofatot na posetitelite, zaplenete ušte na vlezot, potarkadata na trudot oslobodova, težat od prazninata, v koja se sklopčil tovarot na životot, lekosta na smrta, holokaustot, epasoš na svetot, što iščezna, v odvojnoto dno na postojenjeto. Životot provejuva među ljudjeto, a zadnjega ostanuvaat nivnite kuferi. Voniv, znajenjeto fatja prašina, setjavanjeto muvla, zaboravot reja. Sekoj kufer je otvorena prikazna, sekoja prikazna je zatvoren kufer. I ne treba da zamineš, za da ostaneš, nito da ostaneš, za da nisi veke zaminat. Suit cases. In the little chest under my mother's bed, brought from the village to the town, fish-shaped dishes lay dormant for years, each individually wrapped in newspaper, a wedding gift, the souvenir of a society. Their gills had gone pale, their sea gray. When, when we opened this little chest, they had already eaten each other up. In the small suitcase under my uncle's bed, which I used to open a hundred times a day, all the wars from old times were mixed up together in the notes taken during history lectures. Folded in two, in two columns, they charged out of the trenches toward what would later become a state, a political suitcase of oblivion. In the suitcase, under my bed in the student dorm, I kept the Lubinka typewriter on which the Mongolian girls, my roommates, wrote their love letters in Cyrillic and before sending them across three seas, kept them for nine nights in vodka, in bottles with sheep guts, the umbilical cord to their motherland. The suitcase in Auschwitz, separated by glass, from the reach of visitors, confiscated at the very entrance under the arch saying Arbeit macht frei, are heavy with the emptiness in which the weight of life, the lightness of death, sit hunched over. The Holocaust was a one-way ticket from a world which vanished in the false bottom of existence. Life is a path of wind among people, leaving their suitcases in its wake. In them, knowledge gathers dust, memory mold, oblivion stench. Every suitcase is an open story. Every story is a closed suitcase. And you don't need to live in order to stay or stay 
to have already left. Thank you. So, uh, for the next poem, I'm going to read one called Argosh. Um, and this poem is written after reading a short article uh, in a newspaper about an Icelandic tour group who'd spent four hours searching for a member of their group only to realise that the missing person was actually part of the search party and had been searching for themselves. Um, so, this one is called Argosh. It's not as funny as the story. Dilllun fe'i hysbysaf fy mod ar goll. Llenwa fy papurwaith priodol, nod i taldra yn fy sodla, lliw fy llygyd, oer, fy mwysa, llain ag y byoedd o. Mae nhw'n chwilio'r llefydd arferol, ffosydd, cefnau tacsis, tyllau chwarel. Mae fy ngwyneb yn ymddangos ar flychau post ac ar oleadau stryd. Dwi'n ymarfer fy'n hawelwch. Gosod ffyrc ar blatia heb wneud sŵn. Glynu ffelt at wadnau'n sgidia. Gwisgo dillad yr un lliw ar walia. Dwi'n byta'r reis a chig. Ac mae fy ngwyneb yn oren a chwyddiedig dan arwydd trydan y teg awe. Does neb yn fynfa adnabod. Dwi'n talu mewn arian parod. A does dim llestri o gylchu. Dwi'n dysgu sydd i lonyddu fy asennau wrth anadlu. Mae croen fy wyneb yn dechrau pilio ar blychau post. Mae nhw'n cysylltu i ddweud fod yr achos wedi rhoi i'r nillti, yn rhoi rhif trosedd unigryw, llinell gymorth, wyth na chwech, yn gadael llonydd i'r gyrwyr tacsi. Mae'n bwrw glaw ac yn ansychu. Dwi'n dysgu sydd i arnofio heb gyffwr dŵr, i gerdded heb gyffwr llawr. Dwi'n ddeffro mewn tu gwag ar fore diarth. Dwi'n gwisgo amdanaf ac yn agor holl ffenestri'r tu. And so, um, the translation in English, lost. Monday, I inform them that I'm missing. I fill the appropriate paperwork, note my height in my heels, the colour of my eyes, cold, my weight, less than it's been. They search the usual places, ditches, the backs of taxis, slate quarries. My face appears on post boxes and on street lights. I practice my silence, noiselessly place forks on plates, glue felt to the soles of my shoes, wear clothes the same colour as the walls. I eat rice and meat, and my face is orange and swollen under the electric lights of the takeaway. No one recognises me. I pay in cash. And there are no dishes to be washed. I learn to still my ribs while breathing. The skin of my face begins to peel from the post boxes. They get in touch to tell me that the case has been put aside. Give me an unique crime number. A helpline, eight till six. Leave the taxi drivers be. It rain and, and the... It rains and then dries again. I learn to swim without water, to walk without touching the floor. I wake up in an empty house on an unfamiliar morning. I get dressed. I open all the windows. Thank you.
sorry with my phone. Um, clearly, a millennial. Um, I keep all my poems in um, my WhatsApp. Um, and yeah, I feel that like my old poems don't really represent me. So sometimes I go to like very new poems to to read, and this is the case basically. This is from uh, my newest poetry collection, which um, it's entitled in Basque "Seo ser gaizkidoa," which means something's wrong. And I try to kind of talk about the climate emergency um, from different points of views, um, but also about distance and about um, taking a lot of planes and. And, and, and seeing different landscapes. So in this very green um, library, I think it makes sense to, to, to read this poem. Um, and it goes like this in Basque. Ia apirillada. Badia oraindik isostuta. Emen helsinkin. Emendik estitut erretzen diren basamortuak ikusten. Estallada sutan dauden erromero sortak. Emendik estitut etorkizunaren errautsak arnasten. Amak egoaldetik deitzen nau. Andik Estitu, inoiz jolastutako ibaiak ikusten. Eta itzultzerakoan, itzultzen bagara, gu, oraindik gu izango gara, izotz gainean nibilitakoak, baina non euria, non Lambroa, non isotza. Emendik ez ditut erretzen diren basamortuak ikusten. Estaiada, sutan, dauden erromero sortak. It's almost April. And the bay is frozen here in Helsinki. My mom calls me from somewhere south. From here, I can't see. The rosemary bushes on fire, nor burning orange trees. From there, she can no longer see the rivers where we once play. And if we return, if we ever do, we, we will still be us. But where our rain, where our mist, where our froth, our eyes. From here, 
I can't see. The rosemary bushes on fire, nor the burning orange trees. From there, she can no longer see the rivers we once played in. want to forget actually to, to thank uh, Ledbury Poetry Festival and Literature Across Frontier uh, and uh, I think that it is a really uh, great beginning actually of my stay in, uh, in the UK because uh, I arrived yesterday directly to Ledbury and I'm going to stay for one month in London at a residence offered by the Ministry of Culture of Slovenia. Uh, and I'm going to research for my new book uh, here and uh, to have some more readings. So it is really very, uh, very beautiful to be here and also to have a book in English. You know, it is very rare experience actually, especially for the Eastern uh, European poets and writers to have uh, books in English. So we always uh, make fun of uh, this uh, in, uh, in our part of Europe. We consider us as a part of the 3% of uh, translated works in English. Uh, it is uh, really not so much, uh, and I am grateful to be in this 3% uh, translated literature uh, in English language. Uh, my second poem is Freedom. I, I always write longer poems, uh, more narrative poems, so I decided to, to read uh, this poem only uh, in the English translation by Lubica Arsovska and Patricia Marsh. Freedom. In the lift of the world, freedom always presses the wrong button. Instead of on the ground floor, she gets out in the basement, where masked robbers stand in front of the lift who kick and slap her, or greenick maniacs with their trousers down, or security officers who pinch her bottom when she turns back to the door of the lift, which is already squeaking its way back up, and then they all grab her by the breasts, drag her by the, by the legs, and she struggles. Beaten black and blue, she drags herself up the stairs to the ground floor, where children stand with, with their satchels waiting for the lift to come down from the top floor. What does she look like? They whisper. Then run up the stairs to their homes and lock the doors behind them, afraid that freedom might lean against their door, sprawl at their threshold, ask them for water, bread, or a bed. And they don't know that the freedom they have in their life is measured with the remaining cups from the tea set in the Jewish museums across the world. They don't know that the seas wash up people too, not just seashells. They don't know 
that the executioner becomes a victim when he beheads her, and the victims become executioners when they forget her. They don't know that the metal head of the hammer is always loose and falls off before the hammer is swung straight onto your fingers. They don't know that is thus that same freedom they learn about in history classes, but is easily run down by the train on the nearby railway. They don't know that the freedom they have in their life is a white surface over a black pit, the same as the belly of a pregnant woman that they too were born from, but it is only in death that some will also become free. Thank you. So now we have like 10 minutes if you have any questions either about our poetry or our languages um, or if you would like to hear more. Um, so yeah, the floor is yours and we will be here for a conversation. Um, with your translations uh, into English, I just wondered, um, do you have any input or, you, you know, you approve them once they've been translated? Yeah, I don't mind starting. Um, so most of my poems are not translations as such. I've just had to rewrite them in English. <laughs> so I'm the one, except for the one that I allowed it. Um, I sort of do them myself and I don't particularly enjoy uh, translating my own work, because it's, it's not a translation, you are rewriting the poem in, a, in another language. And I'm not an English poet, so it's quite, it's quite difficult. Um, and then it's, but then it is a very different experience when someone else is interpreting your work as well. And I do, you know, think of translation as um, interpretation and as, you know, its own kind of generative act in itself. So I try and um, respect the sort of work of the translator and, and trust them and uh, it's, it's usually, you know, um, a pleasant sort of, not surprise, but a pleasant experience to see how, how they've interpreted the poem because sometimes it's not maybe what you thought was on the paper but actually they're more accurate than you were in terms of what I thought I was saying, but anyway. Um, so I've never had a bad experience with a translator, no, um, would be my answer to that. For me, I have a similar experience than Greek, but like I actually really enjoy self-translating um, my poems. Um, I translate my work to the languages I speak, um, and then I work with the editors to polish it. Um, and similar, I feel that like there are no translations that are different versions, um, so I use them to kind of change certain things. I'll, I'll, they always say it's traditore traditore in Italian, which means 
translator is a cheater, kind of, somehow. So I cheat myself quite a lot because I, I modify what I don't like. Um, and there was a, a funny anecdote related with that. Um, they asked to do an um, anthology of four of the books that I had written in Basque, uh, translated into Spanish and into Galician. Um, and I did a translation into Spanish, and then a professional translator translated from Basque to Galician, which is very complicated. Um, and then when the whole book was there, people that speak the three languages came to me and say, look, the Basque and the Galician versions are very similar. They're almost, you know, it's, it's a very honest translation. However, the Spanish is very different. How come? <laughs> I was like, well... <laughs> Yes, I, I changed them whilst actually the translator was being honest um, to the original. Um, so, yeah, I like, for me, I always say that like writing in Basque is already a translation from like an image that I have in my head. So when I rewrite the poem into other languages, it's kind of like how would I put that image into another language? Um, and then, of course, the editors do the, the work of like, telling me if it sounds weird or if there would be a better way of, of doing it. But yeah, it's living between languages, it's, it's an interesting experience and, and somehow I, I like playing with the words, which is really our job, so yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a very good combination actually of translators uh, because my, my poems are translated by Ljubica Arsuska, who is Macedonian, she lives in Macedonia and Patricia Marsh, who is British, and she lives in Canterbury, but used to live also in Macedonia uh, when we were part of ex-Yugoslavia, and when the war in Yugoslavia begins, uh, she uh, actually moved back to, to England with her husband, who was a famous, famous uh, drama writer from Macedonia, Goran Stefanovsky. Actually, you consider him as the best drama writer in Macedonia, and they used to live uh, in Canterbury. Uh, so, uh, Ljubica and Patricia Marsh uh, translate my poems together. Uh, I don't know actually how they do that, probably on Zoom or uh, other uh, uh, platforms, uh, because they also cannot meet uh, each other for so often, even if uh, Patricia Marsh is coming to Macedonia very often, because uh, uh, Goran Stefanovsky was very connected with uh, his homeland, of course. Uh, and uh, they really don't need my help a lot, I think. They sometimes ask about some uh, words and uh, some sentences, but uh, not, uh, not so much. Uh, and uh, actually, I'm also a translator from Romanian and Slovenian literature into Macedonian. So I really like to, co to, con uh, to collaborate with the poets, with the writer when, uh, writers when I translate them. And uh, I, I also like when the, my translators collaborate with me as an author, if, if I know the language, of course. So it is, it is a good connection, and I think that uh, without uh, translators, actually, we don't have uh, this universal literature. So I always 
consider my translators as uh, angels of, uh, of my literature because they really keep the spirit of, of what I am doing, of my writing. And we have to help them, uh, of course. So actually, uh, we have to mention that literature across frontier also do this uh, thing. And we are very grateful because without this organization, especially in the UK, uh, the number of uh, translated books uh, would be much uh, fewer than, than now. Yeah, going back to the point of translation, um, I was not so long ago with like a Catalonian writer, and we were talking about being translated into Spanish or into English. And I see it as a platform to like, you know, share the word and actually meet lovely people and lovely poets all around the world. But she said, my poetry is in Catalonian, like in Catalan, and that's it. And I write for myself and I write for the Catalonian people. So she's someone that like she, doesn't want to be translated, that she thinks um, it's important for Spanish readers, for example, to do a little bit of an effort mm -hmm. and read in Catalonian, which it is, you know, um, somehow slightly understandable. Um, and that that's kind of the language or the universe, the world in which her poetry belongs to. Whilst um, for me, maybe because Basque is a very, very different language from Spanish, it doesn't come from Latin, um, no Spanish people can do the effort of, of reading Basque because they would not understand anything. And I really like the conversations that translation mm -hmm. enables. So there are different viewpoints. And I think it's also important to kind of underline the ones that they believe that their poetry belongs to that language and to that audience and to that place and that universe. And, and yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's an interesting point as well. For the, the two of you that are, are living outside of the, the linguistic context that you're, that you're writing in, well, are your relationships with, with, with other writers in those languages mostly you know, over distances and sort of online this kind of thing, or have you managed to connect with, with other people working in those languages in, in London and Slovenia and this kind of thing? That's, yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, that's something that a literature critic in the past country told me like 10 years ago, it's like, great, you're writing in Basque, but you're not gonna be in the circle. Um, I feel that like I am in the diaspora um, kind of circles of like writers, and there are a couple of Basque writers also living in the diaspora. Um, a really well-known Basque writer called Kirmen Uribe lives in New York, and the biggest poet uh, of the Basque literature is uh, Sarriona India, Joseba Sarriona India, who escaped prison in the 80s, uh, hidden on a drum set, and no one knew where he was. Um, he's spent over 35 years living in Cuba, um, still writing and sending his manuscripts to the editors and publishing in Basque. Um, so I, I've seen, I guess, like um, a history of like literature in Basque, but created in the diaspora. And then, um, I mean, I am in touch with Basque writers and I am a, a juror for like some Basque poetry competitions in distance, but also like going there quite often for festivals. So yeah, and not only of the Basque circle, but like now with the um, nice government that we've got uh, in Spain, and I hope it lasts, um, the main Spanish um, 
Cultural Institute, Cervantes, is also welcoming the other languages of Spain into the programming and in, into the festivals. And so I have the chance to, to meet and to kind of share a lot with other Spanish, Catalonian and Galician writers. Um, yeah, so it's, it, it's going quite well in Spain in that sense. Hopefully it stays that way. Well, I'm not going to be very optimistic, but yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I keep my connection with Macedonia a lot. Uh, I have a publisher there, uh, and uh, always go there for festivals, readings, and also for my family, of course. So I never uh, lose this uh, connection with Macedonia and with my uh, readers there. Uh, sometimes in Slovenia I feel quite isolated uh, because I write in Macedonia and then live in Slovenia. And Slovenia is a very small country, so sometimes uh, Slovenian culture doesn't consider the, the, the writers and the poets uh, who, who write in other languages as Slovenian writers, but sometimes they consider us, so uh, <laughs> I am sometimes confused. I am, I am not. But actually my attitude is that, that uh, in this century, full of migration, nomadism, and everything, uh, very uh, many movings and among people, we cannot speak anymore about national literature, you know, and national literature is always based on the national state language. So for me, it is a quite nonsense today because we cannot speak about only I don't know, Macedonian or uh, Spanish or I don't know, uh, yeah, British literature without considering all the writers who live in one space or not. I'm not living in Macedonia for almost 28 years. And my books are uh, written uh, not in Macedonia, <laughs> it's a space, because when I go to Macedonia, I don't have tra time to, to, to write, you know. I have to meet people and everything. So all these uh, last books are, uh, are, uh, read, uh, are written in other uh, spaces, in Slovenia, mostly of them, but also in other uh, parts of the world when I am going to festivals, residence, and so on. So they cannot actually belong only to the Macedonia. Macedonian literature, I think. But uh, today, uh, I think we also with the minorities and the emigrants writers, uh, there are many questions that are open, uh, also the question of the national literature. We, we have to remember that Goethe actually fight it uh, for uh, in universal, for international literature. And if we speak today about national literatures, actually we are going back in the past. Uh, so I, I think that uh, this connection between uh, writers and between uh, readers and writers are very important and I, I try to keep them uh, very well actually uh, with publisher house in Macedonia, with my readers there, with festivals in Macedonia. Uh, but of course, every, every writer who left the country sometimes uh, considers himself, herself as a, a writer without any homeland, any home. Uh, it, everything is very relative when you leave uh, your country and also your language because the language uh, has uh, its own development and uh, you have to read uh, a lot of books uh, written in the language just to keep actually the time and the space of the language. So I, I, I read a lot of Macedonian uh, literature and I know everything what is going on there. Uh, but 
sometimes it is difficult to stay somewhere, to be connected to something else, and to travel to third part. Uh, it, it means that uh, you have to give yourself, uh, you know, totally, and sometimes it is really difficult. One last question. Hi, it's a question from our online audience, um, which is each language has its own rhythm. So how difficult is it to keep this in translation and how much meaning do you think is lost in translation? I think Welsh has a beautiful rhythm and sound, so... Yeah. Thank you. Um, it is difficult um, to talk maybe a little bit about Welsh poetry specifically. Um, we have, we consider that you can divide Welsh poetry into, into kind of three categories, free verse, metered verse, and then like strict verse, Kanghanedd. And I write mostly in, in um, free verse. And although I think I do rely a lot on rhythm, I think free verse is the easiest to translate. Um, the Kanghanedd poetry is almost impossible to translate um, because the rhythm and um, the sort of internal, uh, not just rhyme, but alliterative patterning of each individual line is intrinsic to the meaning. And so um, most poets that I know writing in Kankana don't, don't translate their work. Um, or it's more of a, how would you say, like, interpret, not, not even interpretation, but it, you know, you, it's, it's just, you can't claim that it would be a translation because the essential, the essential thing in, in the poetry would have been lost. Um, so, but I don't usually write in that form, uh, so it's not a problem I have to deal with. Um, but yeah, you know, um, as I was reading, especially when you're reading both side by side, there were some parts of the first poem, especially where reading it, reading the English version where the where the rhythm was was different was actually quite difficult because my I was you know I wanted to to follow the rhythm that I kind of knew was there, but, but the language couldn't, um, couldn't offer in English. So it is, yeah, it is a strain. You definitely, I don't want to say a lose, but something changes for sure between, between the visions. Yeah, for me, maybe more than the rhythm is, is the sound. Sometimes I play with like uh, the sounds of Basque and that of course is lost. Um, the rhythm and the sound in translation, I guess it just, you change it. Uh, I feel the, like, for example, Italian has a really nice rhythm and intonation. So um, when I translate my Basque into an Italian and I have to like, read in Italian, it's lovely how it sounds different. And um, yeah, like I guess that like we have to embrace also those differences, right? It's it's almost like the accent. It's it's nice to have an accent in different languages. It's nice to have a different intonation or rhythm. Um, in different languages, so I'm quite happy with the differences um, that it creates. Uh, I want to believe actually f uh, that uh, the translated poetry and translated literature is found in translation, yeah. not lost in translation. <laughs> uh, because I really believe that uh, translators do 
the best they know uh, to translate literature. I mean, I am, uh, as I told you, I am also a translator, and I really want to work very seriously on a, on a text. And if uh, the writers are still alive, you can ask them and everything, uh, so you can collaborate with them. Uh, so I really, I am always pleased actually with my translators and with uh, the translations of uh, my work in other languages. I want to believe that uh, really they are uh, uh, good translations. Uh, so I, I don't have these uh, questions and problems uh, never about uh, if I something lost in the translation. It, it Maybe especially the, because of uh, that, that my poetry, my poems are quite narrative. So for me it is very important translators to keep actually the story of the poem. Uh, for me, the sound is not uh, so important, uh, the music at all, uh, I mean, in the poetry, because I don't write this kind of poetry. I mean, I used to write, but my poetics uh, changed a lot, especially when I moved from Macedonia to Romania, and I discovered a really very rich, rich uh, literature in Romania, a literature written with the blood, you know, with, with the necessity of, uh, of writing, not just to write, but why you write, it is very important. So actually my poetry from lyrical, metaphorical, changed in narrative, in uh, metonymical poetry. Uh, and today actually I want to say stories in my poetry, maybe because of that I'm also a novelist. <laughs> so I like to, to read and also to, to, say, to say stories. And in stories you don't uh, have this risk of uh, lost in translation, I think. Thank you so much for that um, beautiful readings and also such a fascinating conversation about translation. Um, it only uh, remains for me to give you our Ledbury Poetry Festival badge as a thank you for coming you. and for sharing your work and your insights into translation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ah.